sadly, they are being taught to fear the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Let us bow our heads in prayer. As Pastor Osborne said this morning, it's often hard to know what to pray. There are many Israelis, most Israelis do not fear and do not know and do not trust our Heavenly Father, let alone in the salvation that is promised through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Lord, you tell us that it is better to go to the house of mourning to the house of celebrating. And that is because when we go to the house of mourning, we have to look upon our lives and evaluate and think. And sadly, it takes events such as are happening to your chosen beloved people in Israel to make them look. And we pray that they are doing that today. We see in the news the suffering that they are going through as a country and as individuals. I am reminded of 9-11 and a special message that Pastor Tom had. And he told us, it is not our place to be angry and to think and take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God has put in place governments to do that. And it will be done. God will protect his people. He's done it before. We will stand back and watch him do it again. But today we need to pray for those individuals that are cowering in fear, that have been kidnapped, that are dying some of those people we know, many of our church have been there in God's beloved country. So today we simply pray, Lord, that you would deliver them as a country and as individuals, you would open their eyes to recognize and to worship and to follow you and that you would give them peace and comfort through this very difficult time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm Matt Bradley. I'm the deacon chairman. And uh, Pastor Tom's asked me to read Psalm 121 and Psalm 122 this morning. And uh, honestly, I hope there's a lot of people in Israel reading these psalms right now. Um, they bring a lot of comfort and hope. And they just remind us how faithful God is, no matter what the circumstances. So let the, let's read these together. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, 
which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from evil, from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks under the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Let's pray. Father, we do gather here this morning with heavy hearts for your people. The apple of your eye that's once again under attack from not just their enemies, but your enemies. And as strong as the nation of Israel is and as strong as their allies are, they must look to you for their help. If they don't, they have no hope. You are their creator. You're the sustainer of life. And Lord, these passages remind us that you're not taken by surprise by these things. You're not sleeping and awakened surprisingly yesterday. You've known this was coming from before that you created time. You've made promises to Abraham and Isaac that you would, that they would be a people whose number couldn't be, that would be greater than the sands of the sea, and that the land you've given them, you would preserve every square inch of it because it's your land. And I pray that you would continue to fight for them. You would preserve them physically from evil, but more importantly, Lord, I, preserve, I pray that you would preserve their souls. And the only way that that's going to happen is if they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And in spite of whatever comes their way, however evil, however terrible things get, when someone receives your Son as their Savior, they can rejoice just like David did as they come together united to praise your name 
I pray that millions of people would be saved today, that these tragic events would cause them to open their eyes to their need of a Savior and that they would call on the name of Jesus Christ to save them. Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for their prosperity. Pray for their leaders to make wise decisions. I pray for our leaders to make wise decisions, Lord, so that we'll prosper as well. And in the end, you will receive the glory that you so richly deserve. Lord, I want to pray right now for my pastor. I thank you for him. I'm thankful that he loves your word. I'm thankful that he loves your people. I'm thankful that he loves you. I pray that you would anoint his message to us this morning, that your words would have free course, that he would cause us to understand the message you have for us, and that we would not be complacent with the things that we hear, that you would use the words that we hear this morning to provoke us to love and to good works so that we can be better ambassadors for you, that more souls can be won so that you can be glorified. We love you, Lord, and we commit these services to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank, you. Thank you, Matthew. Please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Today's special message is titled, Israel is at War and what that that means to us. Let me get to our passage here. Genesis 12. Yesterday, in the early morning hours, Israel was attacked by over a thousand Hamas terrorists, and they fired over 5,000 rockets, killing uh, civilians and going door to door, as I've said, removing the Jewish occupants, men, women, and children from their homes and executing them. And this is about evil satanic hatred. Um, If the terrorist uh, states surrounding Israel, uh, through all, imagine this, if the Syria, uh, the Hezbollah in Lebanon, uh, the the so-called Palestinians, uh, and the uh, Hamas terrorists there, if the terrorists surrounding Israel took all of their weapons and they threw them all in the sea, there would be total peace. Total. If Israel took all of her weapons and threw them all in the sea, they would immediately be destroyed. So who's the problem with? It's not about they want their own state. It's that they don't want Israel to exist. Here's the issue. Those folks want Israelis and Jewish people 
dead. That's the issue. They want them wiped off upon the wiped off from the face of the earth. That's the issue. Now, currently, this is happening mainly near the Gaza border. Uh, it's spreading now. The Israelis believe that Hezbollah, up in the um, northern part by uh, uh, above Tel Aviv, that it's going to begin happening out of Lebanon. But uh, right now, it's where our friends live. Men uh, that were here before, uh, uh, men that are our friends, uh, men that were planning on coming. I don't know uh, if they're still going to do that or not. I, I want to remind you that we've been supporting them for a long time, and I was given this by Lieutenant Colonel Isaacson. Now, it's to me but it's to all of us. I, when he gave it to me, I'm like, I wish it would have said our church's name. I didn't tell him that. But it says, Dear Pastor Tom Gang, with great appreciation for contributing to the security and welfare of the people of Eshkol Municipality in southern Israel, we thank you. Sincerely, uh, Keith Allen Isaacson, Head of Security and Emergency Services, Eshkol Regional Council. That's a great honor to have something like that given to all of us. It's got my name on it, but it's given to all of us. Listen, these are our friends. They're in live fire. Uh, Keith and his family are in peril. We want to pray for them. Now, although politics is involved, there's politics involved in just about anything, and although I have deep-seated political views that I generally keep to myself, because I never know who's present. I'm not afraid to talk about any of that at all. But I don't want people to be uh, against the gospel because they're some, in some different political party or political view than I have when they're unsaved and I'm saved. I don't want to affect the gospel negatively, so I generally keep my politics to myself, generally. Would you guys agree or at least understand that? That's what I try to do. Sometimes it just spills out. So what I'm about to say, these are just the facts. It doesn't matter what political uh, party you're in. It doesn't matter what politics you subscribe to. But uh, presidents in the past, George Bush, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden, uh, and even before that, we've been funding Iran and giving them money. Obama sent them pallets of money. Uh, Biden just paid $6 billion in ransom money for hostages. Since when is that our policy? That's not ever been a, a policy of one particular party. That was our policy as Americans that we all agreed to. But those funds, either directly or indirectly, will or have gone to Hamas to pay for those rockets and munitions being fired at Israel today. All those funds we've given. You know they're being used for this in some way, directly or indirectly. So you know what we need to do? We need to pray a prayer of repentance to God for our country and our own tax dollars that are being used to come against God's people and against us and the world. They're chanting death to Israel and death to America in Iran. Let's uh, keep my policy. No, this isn't political. Let's blow them up. It's insane. And we fund that through our tax dollars. It's crazy. So these things, they make me mad. They get me going. So with that said, and we're going to look at scriptures and we're going to move forward from that and try to understand some things today. But may the Holy Spirit 
bless the reading and study of his words this morning. Amen. All right, now, we have flags up on our, uh, on our stage here, up on the platform. And these flags do not represent politics, because at any given time, the politics might be something you agree with, it might not be. They, they do not represent politics. These stars and stripes that we have up here, they represent our personal love for our country and the value of freedoms that we still uh, have and that we still can represent uh, to the world uh, for being free enough to freely preach from this pulpit and teach uh, the gospel and teach the Bible from this launching point here, First Baptist Church in Jackson, out to planet Earth. That's why that's there. It reminds us of the ability to do that and our freedom to do it. And, and the lives, that, and the blood that was shed uh, from servicemen and women uh, to be able to do the things that we're doing here. I'm grateful for that. How about you? And whatever anybody believes in America, whatever it is, I support that right for them to worship or believe whatever they want. Why not? I mean, we get to do it, so they may. But we support that. That represents the ability that we have to, to support missions activity in the world and to send out missionaries like the Osbournes and, and like the Zis family in the Philippines or, the, or the, all the Browns that are down in Mexico, all members of our church, by the way, and then all of our missionaries that we support, all of them. That flag represents those things. The Israel flag represents our love for the nation of Israel and for the Israeli people and, frankly, uh, for Jewish people everywhere. So if you're taking notes, uh, point number one is why does God love Israel? Why does God love Israel? Right now, Israel is the biggest Christ, officially, the biggest Christ-rejecting nation of the world and enemies of the gospel. But keep in mind, keep this in mind, it's very important. The vast majority of Jewish people are just normal hell-bound sinners just like the rest of America or the rest of the world, the whole world. They're concerned about the same thing that everybody lost or saved is concerned about. Uh, earning a living, raising your family, and trying to live a, a, just a, a peaceable life. So God does not love Israel because of anything that they've done. Uh, just like you and me. He loves them for the sake of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, Moses, uh, David, all the promises He made to them and all the prophets and the uh, Jewish people. The very existence of the nation of Israel is the heritage of the Jewish people, their lineage. And God promised their lineage to bless them and to never forsake them. Never forsake them, ever. Now, they may be enemies of the gospel right now, but when it comes to the nation that God chose to represent him, a, a, a people that he promised to be a nation, they're beloved for the Father's sake. They're the beloved of God. Matt has said uh, twice, Stephen said it too, they're the apple of God's eye. In other words, that's the center of your pu pupil. That means God's focus, they're always at the center of his focus. And boy, you know, you don't want to be poking God in the eye, do you? That isn't going to work out well for you. Let's read some scriptures that testify to these things. In Genesis chapter 12, 
the Lord is speaking to Abraham before his name was changed. Uh, it's Abram at this time. We won't get into all that. We could, but just, again, this isn't very polished, and I'm sorry for uh, ahead of time. Maybe some of the order of this isn't quite exactly right, but it came together, and so I'm just happy about that. All right, so verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a what? Say it with me. A land that I will show thee. This is where this all started. And I will make of thee a great what? Nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed. A heathen guy. I mean, how did he know it was God? Who, how did all this unfold? These are incredible events, folks. Incredible events to ponder. Look in chapter 22 of Genesis. This is the angel of the Lord speaking unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And verse 17, uh, verse uh, yeah, verse 17, he, he didn't withhold Isaac. And you know, hopefully you know the story. If you're new to the Bible, it's a great chapter to read. Verse 17, that in blessing I will bless thee, Abraham. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Chapter 26. Chapter 26. This is to Isaac. Those were to Abraham. This is to Isaac. In verse 4 he says, well, look in verse 2. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the what? Land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed will I give all the countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. He's talking to Isaac. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's pretty incredible. Look in chapter 27. Look in verse 29. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. This is a message to Jacob. Uh, Look in chapter 28, verse 3. Continuing to speak to Jacob. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee. 28, verse 3. That thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, which we just read, that was passed on to Isaac, now passed on to him. 
and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the what? Land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto who? Abraham. This is the promises that were made. Look in verse, uh, let's see. Uh, well, I was going to read verse 14, but let, let's pick up this story. That's not part of the plan today, but let's do it. Verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. That's the wrong direction, by the way. At this point in Jacob's life, he's running uh, from reality, exhibiting no trust in God's promises, and traveling from west to east, uh, wrong direction. He's a fugitive from his father's house. He's at enmity with his brother. And he's finally now about to enter into a place, Jacob, also called Israel. He's finally entering into a place where God can deal with him. You know, only those that are sick need a physician. Hello? Think about that. Verse 10, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He came to a certain place in his life, and darkness is now surrounding him. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Wow, sleeping, resting on a pile of rocks. Well, that's what people do when they don't trust in the Lord, you know that? It's just what life is like when you don't trust in the Lord. It's like trying to get a comfortable night's sleep. I get into my bed, I got a new mattress and a new pillow. And I'm like, why didn't I do this years ago? And I get into bed and I'm like, oh. I mean, I'm like, oh yeah. And I'm out. Uh, let's be outside on the ground and make some stones for a pillow. You know what? I've lived in my life before, not where I didn't do that literally, but because I was running from God and I didn't do what God wanted me to do when I was unsaved, you know what? I might as well have just had rocks as a pillow. He's obviously in pain. There's no rest for the lost. And honestly, for an adult, this is a great place to meet the Lord. You know, honestly. You know, we generally meet the Lord, you know, when we're about to go under a, a surgeon's scalpel. You know, we start thinking about things and maybe our prayer life increases. Or when we've just come from a funeral home with people that we know and love. And we think about the Lord then as we think about our own mortality. Or maybe when your bank account's empty, you start thinking about God. Listen, this is an opportunity for Israel to refocus on what's important right now, that God loves them. And, and they can be afraid of what's happening, and we pray for them, and it's horrific. But this is an opportunity, and in this circumstance, this grave circumstance, there are opportunities uh, for them to draw close to the Lord, just like for you and I. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Boy, I'd love to just preach this as a message today, but we better keep going. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the, what? Land wherein, uh, whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to who? Thy seed. God speaks. He makes an eternal 
binding promise to him. See, he's not only the God of his grandfather, Abraham. He's not only the God of his father, Isaac. He's now the God of Jacob. And you know what? He's our God. And thy seed, verse 14, shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And he's talking about in this land where he is, not all over the world. And in thee, thy seed, in the, in, in, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And they certainly have been. Are you blessed because of these guys? I am. Yeah. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again unto this, what? Land, for I will not leave thee until I've done that which I have spoken to thee of. Wow, that's a promise. That's a promise. Real lessons of life are learned in these difficult, difficult circumstances. Chapter 46. The land is what we're focusing in. On and the promise of God is really the key. You guys seeing this? <clears throat> I just picked out some verses that I was very familiar with. Verse 3, and he said, I am, <clears throat> I am still speaking to Jacob. I, <clears throat> oh, look at verse 2. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night, and he said, Jacob, 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 his name is Israel. They're, they're together. Because out of his lineage and all of his boys that he had became the twelve tribes. And thus they're called Israel. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I'm God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a what? A great, a great nation. God promised to make them a nation, and he absolutely did. He kept his promise. Uh, go to First Chronicles with me. You guys doing okay today? First Chronicles chapter 17. <clears throat> Look in verse 11. God is speaking here to King David through Nathan the prophet about Solomon, David's seed. <clears throat> uh, and that his seed would build the temple instead of David. Verse 11, And it came to pass, when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, he's talking to David, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me an house, and I will establish his throne forever. Forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee. But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established, how long? Forevermore. Verse 20. O Lord, there is, now he responds, O Lord, there is none like thee. Is there any God beside thee according to all that we have heard with our ears? In what one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness, 
by driving out nations from before thy people, whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt. Uh, for thy people Israel didst thou make thine own people forever. And thou, Lord, becamest their God. Now there, therefore now, Lord, let the thing that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house be established forevermore and do as thou hast said. And you know what? God has done that. He's done that in the nation of Israel. There are times of chastisement, but it was so that they would come back to loving and fearing God. They've walked away from God, Israel has. Uh, but God's never walked away from, from them. Maybe you're a Christian in here, and you've been what uh, we call backslidden, a Bible word. Uh, maybe you got saved, and, then, and you were loving the Lord, and loving His Word, and then you got away from God. You know what? You got away from Him. He didn't get away from you. He's never left you nor forsaken you. And He's not doing that for the nation of Israel. There may be trouble ahead for them, but He's not leaving them or forsaking them. God promised to make them a nation, as we've just seen. Look back in Deuteronomy chapter 7. We see where God loves the nation of Israel. He, he promised them, He made some promises to them, and He loves them. It's not just based on His promises. Why does God love them? <clears throat> because he, he promised Abraham, He promised Isaac, He promised Jacob... God loves His own words. Do you know that? In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. It wasn't because they were big and they did grand things, but because the Lord loved you and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers. Wow. That's so true. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh of Egypt? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. To a thousand generations. First Kings chapter 10. First Kings chapter 10. We should have had some WD-40 to pass around so you could, you could lubricate the binding of your Bible today. So I know it's probably hot, needs to be cooled off, so just blow on it. 1 Kings 10, and look at verse 9. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee upon the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he the king to do judgment and justice. This is the queen of Sheba making a, a prophetic proclamation about Solomon, and it's recorded in the Bible, man. Probably we're going to get to meet this woman one day, because the Lord loved Israel, and everybody knew it. All the nations surrounding knew that Israel loved God. I wonder if they know that now. I don't think so. One of the seven mysteries given to the church, uh, which, by the way, we're stewards of, 
is the future restoration of the nation of Israel, found in Romans 11. Please turn there. You know, what a great mystery when you think about it. If you think about this, it is a great mystery, isn't it? Not just the restoration of Israel, but why? Why does God love me? I mean, I think about my life, I think about who I am, and I'm not saying I'm this, you know, rotten person, but why does God love me? You know, and out of all the theology that I know, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've read this book, I'm not boasting, I've just read this book countless times from beginning to end. I've, I'm familiar with every chapter in it. There's 1,189 chapters. I'm familiar with them all. I mean, I, I could expound on doctrine and work through things. Today, I could elaborate on these things for hours. Uh, we don't have time to do that. But, man, I, I, I mean, I know all this theology, and I understand what to do and how it all works out. But you know what? Why does God love me? Don't send me letters or cards or emails to try to explain that to me. I, I, I get it, but I don't get it. Do you, are you with me on that? Why does God, not about Him loving me, about you. Why does He love you? Why does He love me? What do we ever do? Well, he loves us because of His Son, Jesus Christ, that came through the nation of Israel. And he does love us. He has a heart for us. It's greater love than a parent has for their child, which, man, that's a hard love to beat. Well, one of the seven mysteries given to the church is the restoration of the nation of Israel found here in Romans chapter 11. Look with me in verse 25. It says, For I would not, he's writing to the church in Rome, it consists of Jews and Gentiles, primarily Gentiles, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this, what? Mystery. And again, there are uh, seven key mysteries. I think, Stephen, you've got 12 as a number, but seven key mysteries uh, given to the New Testament church. And, uh, uh, oh, you know what, real quick, uh, by the way, uh, hold your place here and turn over just a few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show this to you really super quick. By the way, like I said, this wasn't really all figured out, but it doesn't matter. We have the Holy Spirit here. Amen? All right, so verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Let a man so account of us, Paul and the apostles and all the believers that are in the church at Corinth, as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And again, there are seven mysteries. God is manifest in the flesh. Uh, the church is one body in Christ, uh, the mystery of, of Christ in us, uh, the mystery of the restoration of the nation of Israel, uh, the mystery of the rapture of the church, uh, the mystery of iniquity, uh, that's that the devil has been at work since, the, since before humankind even came about on planet earth. That's why all the trouble we see happening, he's been at work all along. And then mystery of, the mystery of uh, Babylon the Great, and that's the one world system of the Antichrist. Uh, the, you know, a, a pattern we see back in the Tower of Babel where it developed. And uh, they took their false religion when they were scattered around the planet, all over the planet. And that religion is still alive and well. 
It shows up in many different forms, but it will be the one world religion of the Antichrist as detailed in Revelation 17 and 18, because he's been at work all along. These are the seven mysteries. You're a steward of these mysteries. That means you manage them. You're, you've been given them. You need to know them inside and out. That's why we teach them over and over. This issue of the mystery of the restoration of the nation of Israel is given to us. And Paul says back in Romans 11, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, and because if you are, watch, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. And understand that blindness in part, only in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So go back to a chapter, uh, you're in chapter 11, uh, go back to verse 2. Look where he says, uh, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What? Uh, ye, not that the scripture saith of Elias or Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thy altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life, is what Elijah said. But what saith the answer of God to him? Hey, Elijah. I've reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So don't panic, boy. Relax. I could call any one of them out of the caves and get another preacher. So don't worry about it. That's from the Old Testament. Verse 5, Even so, then at this present time also there is a what? Remnant according to the election of grace. So God's always had a heart for Israel. And they were, all, they were always part of His uh, eternal plan to save souls. That was their job to take God and ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world. They were to be the lighthouse of the world. And He was going to make them holy and without blame before Him in love. It, it's through Israel that the Messiah came. And it's through Israel that Jesus will uh, reign as the King for all eternity one day. But they rejected him. But he still hasn't casted them away. They will ultimately fulfill that plan. And there's always been a remnant of saved Jewish people. Always been. Um, right, Brother Marshall? Marshall is one of those remnants. He's a, a Jewish man that got born again. He's one of the very first people, one of the very first Christians. You've always treated me with great kindness. And you've always made me feel very important, and you always made me feel loved when I was brand newly saved. Wacko out of my mind. Brand newly saved. And you showed me great kindness. And I, I'll, I've not said this to you before, and it's not my notes, but I, I knew that you were Jewish then, and I couldn't believe that a Jewish man got saved. But you're part of your ministry to me in my life oh, these 34 years. It has been part, in part, of why well, I love Israel so much and the Jewish people so much. So thank you, my friend. You're my friend. You happen to be Jewish, but you're my Jewish friend. There's always been a remnant. Always been a remnant. 
This mystery was always part of God's plan. It was hidden in the very character of Israel's existence. As Stephen said it, perhaps the greatest testimony that the Bible is true is the, the existence of the nation of Israel. They're called the ancient landmark in the Bible. And by the way, if you lose sight of your landmarks, you end up confused and lost. And that's where all the false doctrines have come from in Christianity today with the charismatic movement and Calvinism and all, I mean, where does it begin? Where does it end? Uh, all these false doctrines because people have lost sight of the Jew, uh, uh, loss, uh, you know, uh, of your salvation. They, they're applying scriptures that are for the nation of Israel, that in their context they apply, they apply to Jewish people at a different time in history, and at a future time, in a tribulation period. They've messed this up, and we're warned twice in Revelation 2, uh, you better not take that which belongs to the Jew. And yet, uh, the Christian world has done that, and they've ended up missing their ancient landmarks, and they've ended up in false doctrine. And, oh, we're not allowed to say that lest we offend anybody. Oh, yeah, let's just keep the truth of the Word of God to ourselves. It's just weird, by the way. God loves Israel and has promised to preserve them. And although they were scattered for almost 2,000 years, He restored them as a nation. There they are. Their history is quite amazing. I wrote some points to think about. Think of this. You guys doing all right? You guys okay? I need to like that a little bit? I may, have your neighbor slap you in the face. No, don't do that. All right. I'm terrible. All right, listen. They can trace their genealogical history to the very first members of their race. We just read it. Who can do that? Their original, the very first member of their race. Their original language is still intact and being spoken right now in, the, in Israel and in places around the world where they are. They lay claim to a specific land grant given them directly from God in part. They've, 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 they've dissed God in a sense, and, and they should have. They were like the ten spies that went into the land. Oh, we can't do this. And so they've allowed their country to be shrunk down. They need some Joshua's and Caleb in the past to say, we're not giving up any of this land. And they have. They're both a race, Jewish, and a religion. They're unique. They've been preserved throughout history from constant international persecution. Still, there are still racially pure Jewish people alive today. What tribe are you from? Levi. Levi. You're a Levite. A oh, man. I didn't know that. They were scattered and reunited uh, after 1,900 plus years without a country or a government when they were scattered. And yet they still existed. In past and recent history, they've been victorious over their enemies, although outnumbered approximately 35 to 1 in Israel. The land associated with Israel and the city of Jerusalem is of more concern and controversy to the nations of the world than any one place on planet Earth. And all the news media, when they're out there and they're, they, they don't under, they're interviewing people, and they, we don't understand why is this place such a hotbed, and they come up with all these reasons why it is and I'm sitting in Podunk, USA, on my couch watching the news, and I'm like, I know why. I know exactly why. Because they're God's chosen people, and the world hates God. And because of it, they hate them. 
That's the truth. No human politicking has ever been able to resolve the intricacies associated with this land and people. Why? And you've got to get this. If you can get this down, it will help you tremendously. Why? Because the devil is always against them. It's why 1 John says, there are many antichrists in the world. There have been many antichrists who've wanted to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth and destroy the nation of Israel and the land. That's why all the squatters are in the land. That's why the Ottoman Empire was in there and had a foothold in there for 400 years. Oh, that's a whole other story. I wish we could talk about all those things. It's incredible. Why? Why? Because if the devil can destroy the nation of Israel and wipe out all the Jewish people from the face of the earth, which he's been trying to do. Why? Because then he's just usurped the word of God. Then he's proven that God is not the one. I am. He's wrong. God's not right. If he can accomplish that, which he's been working on, then he succeeded. Uh, listen to this, Isaiah chapter 14. All well, this is just working, it's not in my notes. You're scared, don't worry. If you've got to go to lunch, you just get up and go when we're all looking at our Bibles. <laughs> listen, Isaiah 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? He was the light bearer. He led the worship in heaven, by the way, and, and reflected the Shekinah glory, the bright, brilliant, white light from Jehovah God. And his makeup, you can read in Ezekiel, his makeup was stones and all these precious stones and, and colored stones and musical instruments. And you think, that's hideous. That would be hideous for, for, for an angel to cover. He's an angel that covereth for him to look that way. No, he, it was a huge light show and he was the worship leader in heaven. And everybody was looking at him. Instead, he didn't have a right heart. Iniquity was found in it. And it was all about him, not him. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nation? See, he, he was cut down. I think he was cut down to that ground. And it, I, I believe that it was in Eden. That's what I think. For thou hast said in thine heart, Here's what he said, I will ascend into heaven. I uh, will exalt my throne above the stars of God, the angels of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the, of the congregation in the sides of the north, just like God does. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He's got an eye problem, doesn't he? Pride. Sin didn't start on earth with Adam and Eve. It started in the heavenlies with this being the most incredible created being God ever made, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That's what the Bible says. See, if he can, if he can destroy the Jew from the earth and destroy the nation of Israel, he believes he's one, and that what he says, those I, 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 I will be like the Most High, he will be able to achieve that that satanic goal, but he'll not. God will prevail and preserve Israel as a nation and a people. 
There's no rational explanation for the existence of the nation of Israel today other than God. It's just, it's just crazy. No unprejudiced, logical person, lost or saved, could read through the Old Testament, and I would, I would encourage you to. Isaiah 49, Isaiah 54, Isaiah 60, Ezekiel 36 and 37, Amos 9, Zechariah chapter 8, chapter 12, chapter 14, Romans chapters 9 through 11, Hebrews chapter 8. No logical person, lost or saved, could read through these chapters without concluding that after a period of chastening, uh, after a period of judgment and tribulation, God is going to fully restore the nation of Israel to her former state of glory, and they will be the light to the world where the Jewish Messiah sits on, and rules from the throne in the temple on Mount Zion, Jesus Christ himself. Now, this may happen sooner than you think. Back in 1967... In 1973, which they just celebrated on Friday, I believe, uh, when the Israel was attacked and declared war back then, Bible believers back then in 67 and 73, they thought, this is it. They were just formed as a nation in 1948. This is it. This is the end. That's what Bible believers thought. That's what you'd have thought back then if you were a Bible believer. You know what? That's what I'm thinking right now. That's what I'm thinking right now. So that's not, it's not wrong to think that. I'm not overreacting. This could be the beginning of the end. Just like Bible believers thought in 67 and 73. Now maybe this will. Maybe this conflict will end tomorrow. Maybe it'll end next week. Uh, not likely. But it could be. It could easily escalate into a world war. You know, we talk about wanting a leader. Boy, we want a good leader. We want a leader that'll do this and this and this and this and this. And the leadership in the whole world just stinks everywhere. It's just terrible. And everybody wants a leader, a good leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to get one. He's going to be the Antichrist. Be careful what you wish for. Listen. The world stage has shifted in the last two and a half years, and it is more volatile than ever, and it's always more volatile when Israel is at war. Huh? Isn't that the truth? Now, since I didn't plan this all out, I had a whole series of things I was going to work you through. Point number two is the three key phases of Israel's future restoration. And I, I was really lofty in my thoughts about this. Yeah, we're going to work through the fullness of the Gentiles and what that means. Uh, phase two, we're going to work through the times of the Gentiles, which is different than the fullness of the Gentiles. Oh, I got a whole page of notes on that. And then phase three, the dispensation of the fullness of times, which completes all the phases and the cycles of human history as we know it. And then God is going to restore everything to the way it was originally intended to be. All right, so you guys ready to be here until 2 p.m.? We won't do that. Maybe we'll do that. You know what? There's going to be a window through 2 Timothy somewhere to talk more about this. But I do want to show you this. I, I will say this. I wish I could go through this because I was really excited to go through it. Because I think it would help a lot of you. These three phases. But I do want to show you at least the theme of the Bible. Look in Acts chapter 3. 
See, in the end of this, the dispensation of the fullness of times, which is explained in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, when human history as we know it comes to an end and God sends Jesus Christ back to this planet, His second advent, uh, man, what a day that's going to be. Look in verse 19. Peter's preaching here and he says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, when the Lord shows up, His presence, when the kingdom of heaven is established. And He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, now watch, verse 21, don't miss this, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Well, aren't you looking forward to that day when Jesus Christ returns to this planet and makes things right? Well, you read that in Zechariah chapter 8, chapter 12, chapter 14, when he lays his feet on this planet. Oh, man. He's going to set things right. Now watch. This is the day of the Lord he's talking about. When Jesus returns. Now watch. Which God hath spoken by the mouth of some of his prophets. Is that what it says? No. What does it say? All his holy prophets since when? Since the world began. You know, the oldest record that we have of someone preaching about the second coming of Christ was who? Do you know? You can tell us. Enoch. And in Jude, you want to be careful answering that because you don't know what I'm, twist I'm going to give. Okay. So uh, just listen to this. Listen to Enoch's message. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And we're among those. Just think Enoch preached this. Seven generations removed from Adam. When Enoch was alive, so was Adam, if you look at their, their years that they lived. Enoch knew Adam. Hmm. And here was Enoch's message. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. We're in that number, Christian to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. That was Enoch's message. He preached all his holy prophets. You know what the theme of this entire book is? Boy, you need to get this down. If you don't know this, it ain't your salvation. Boy, I'm glad it's in there, man. You know, the greatest day in my life was July 2nd, 1989. Greatest day in my life when I got saved. Perhaps maybe just as great as that day was the day that my wife Linda got saved. Man, I'm so happy. Then my kids got saved. Man, and then you, the people I know... Here, listen, that's a great day, isn't it? You know what the greatest day in God... And, and heaven rejoiced when we got saved. But you know what the greatest day in God's calendar is? It's a day His Son gets the glory He deserves when He returns to this planet. 
The theme of the entire Bible is the day of the Lord. That's what it's all about. When Jesus returns to set things right. Uh, Mackenzie, would you put that picture up on the screen? and We'll end right here. One of the greatest days of my life. Besides me getting saved. Yeah, one of the, I got lots of great days in my life. <laughs> Which one is it? This was a great day in my life. I got to preach a message about the day of the Lord, what we're talking about right now. And I got to preach it right in front of the eastern gate. Do you see it? It's cemented over right now. You see the top over my right shoulder, left to you, of the, the dome of the rock? You see that? And then you see that eastern gate? It's cemented over and bricked over. It was done by Saladin. And they put a cemetery, a Muslim cemetery, right in front of it because a Jewish rabbi, they believed the prophecies from the Jewish prophets that Jesus was going to enter into that gate when he returns. That's, uh, well, the Garden of Gethsemane is right next to us. It's all right there. It's one that amazed me most about Israel. It's all right there. And you know, how foolish... You know, because a Jewish rabbi, which Jesus was, isn't allowed to step and be unclean in a graveyard. Oh, well, listen, when his feet touches the ground, he's going to split it all in half, and there ain't going to be no problem there. He'll be able to walk right up and in. And you really think that brick is going to, stone is going to stop Jesus from entering in there? He's not. I got to preach the second coming of Jesus Christ through that eastern gate. Right there, I was preaching it right there. Matter of fact, I think uh, Joe's going to, somehow we're going to get that. You taped it. I, I found that out today. And so we're going to post that. If you guys want to listen to that message, would you guys want to? And I had a lot of fun preaching that message. How many, you guys, you were there that day, weren't you? Judy, lots of us were there. I'll post that on the internet uh, on our website so you can watch it. Not to be boastful, I don't mean it that way, but... And isn't that cool to get to preach about the second coming in front of the eastern gate where he's going to come and he's going to destroy that uh, dome of the rock? I was yelling that, by the way, at the top of my lungs. He's going to destroy that place. Oh, we shouldn't talk that way. It's just the truth. People need to hear the truth. They just need to hear the truth. So listen, the theme of the Bible is that. And see, that's why Israel, now get this, that's why Israel missed him the first time he came. That's why they rejected him. They didn't expect the suffering Savior to shed his blood and die on a cross to pay for their sin. They didn't see that because they were focused in on what we are now, the second coming, which they thought was the first coming, where he's going to establish the kingdom. Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom into Israel? They kept thinking about a physical kingdom, and they were forgetting about the mess that they were in here. That's why they missed him, and that's why they reject him to this day. Because they're looking for this kingdom that's the theme of everybody. The Lord's going to return, Enoch, of all his prophets. They're looking for that physical kingdom. That's why they reject him today, but oh, they're not going to reject him for long. Through their suffering and pain, like what's happening now, they're going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and he's going to return. <laughs> the greatest day on God's calendar, when the promises to his people are fulfilled and the everlasting kingdom of heaven is at long last established, that physical 
Davidic earthly kingdom will be established one day. And so my last point in conclusion is, why do we love the nation of Israel? Well, because of God's promises to them, I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse me. Which side of that do you want to be on? Because of Israel's great gift from God. He promised them the land. We want that physical kingdom to come too, don't we? Man, so we love that land because that's His land. Amen? And because of Israel's gifts to us. Think about what we got from Israel. We got our Bible. We got our Messiah. We got the family structure and unit. That came from Israel. We got our foundation of all laws, civil and personal, laws of morality came to us from Israel. All of them. Ooh, people wandering around. America's become the land of biblical ignoramuses. And that's why we're in the trouble we're in. It is. Because they don't know the Word of God. You don't know the Word of God, you can't know the will of God. And if you don't know the will of God, you can't fulfill the plan God has for your life. And so you are your own God. Every man does that which is right in his own mind. In his own heart. And that's what you got today. So we love them for that. The hope of salvation came to us from Israel and the goodness of God. We get all that from Israel. You know what we owe to Israel? Thank you. You know what we would say when we'd sing songs of Israel when we were in Israel? We would say, we represent millions of Americans who love you. We are Christian Zionists. We are Baptist Zionists and we love you. And we tell them all these things, why we do. And then they're crying and they're, they, they love us. And last but not least, we love them because God loves them. And we're not the chosen one, ones, but we know who is. Amen? It's the Jewish people. And I want to be a man after God's own heart like David and love the same thing God's love, God loves. So I love Israel and the Jewish people, not because they're always lovely, are you? But because they're beloved for God's sake. And because we love them, you know what we do? We pray for them. That no weapon formed against them would prosper. We stand by Israel by displaying the Israeli flag in a place of prominence in our church. We show our love for them by publicly teaching our local church to love Israel and the Jewish people just like today. We teach our children to love the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. We care for Israel personally by corresponding with our, uh, our political and governmental leaders on their behalf, writing letters to them. You need to defend Israel. We, we show love to them by believing the land of Israel belongs to them, and that makes us Zionists because we're Bible-believing, born-again followers of Jesus Christ, and we believe all these things. That makes us Zionists to our core. And maybe you're part of our church and you don't like that, then you need to leave. Serious. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We love the nation of Israel because of these reasons. Think about it. People change jobs. They change political views. They change 
uh, hobbies and favorite foods and places they like to go and churches that they attend or join, the people they associate with. Man, we are people, we're fickle, aren't we? We're people of change. We got all this stuff at our fingertips and we can change. But you know what's cool? God never changes. And God's going to fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel. And that means he's also going to fulfill his promise to you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a great promise. That belongs to me. If you're saved in here today, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, personally, you've been born again by His Spirit, that's a promise to you. Maybe if you've never trusted Christ, that's a promise to you. You can today. And He's going to fulfill this Scripture, being confident of this very thing, Christian, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Promises to to complete in you what he started. Isn't that good news? Would you bow your heads, please? Perhaps you don't love the nation of Israel. I said you should leave, but you know what? You really shouldn't. You know what you should do? Change. Change what you believe and line yourself up with the Bible. That's what you need to do. I'm just venting because of some of the hostility I have in my heart about all this. I appreciated hearing and being reminded of something that I say all the time, and that's vengeance belongs to the Lord, not me. But perhaps you don't love the nation of Israel. Maybe you don't like them. This is your chance to repent in prayer to God right now. And I'd rather have you do that, and so would God. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. Well, you know, you can do that right now by praying a simple prayer of faith. God, I know who I am. There's no reason why you should love me. I know I'm a sinner. I've violated you. But I do believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood according to the scriptures and that he he died and that he was buried and rose three days later. I believe that. I believe it. I believe you, God. And because he lives, I receive Jesus Christ right now as my personal Savior, as my advocate, as my sin-bearer, as my substitute. God, save me. And He'll do that. 